Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Amir Malikpour. And we are talking Mr. Miracle number 13, The Dictator's Dungeon. This issue had a lot of barda for you. A lot of great barda scenes. Yep, yep. That's what I thought. I thought it was Barda's issue. I was going to say, it was cool that, like, you know, Barda was so involved in this story. Like, she was just a badass of the story. And then they're all, they also act as Nazi hunters, which is cool, too. I actually looked them up online to see if it was on a real, based on a real person. Yeah, she is awesome in this issue. I, I, there's so many little touches that make Barda so fun in this issue. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of them. There's like, uh, you know, like when they're actually like, you know, going into the lair or like they're on the ship, she's like, Barda is getting all, I mean, not Barda, Scott's getting all distracted. She's like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, let's keep going, let's keep going. There's some pages that we'll go over that I'd like to, that I have some notes on that I can go over. But it was really cool to how like she's just like a badass. She is. She's the whole reason that Scott and Bart are able to get into fighting this evil. Yeah, yeah. Like, because she fights her way into the spaceship and stuff. Mm -hmm, Yeah. And then, like, when they're in the uh, in the lair, oh, she actually like uh, when they they need to get into the lair, she like tears apart the gate. You know, she's the one. Like Scott's standing around like a little kid, and she's like destroying the entrance to get in there and then and then he's distracted oh wow look at that statue and then she's like yeah yeah it doesn't look like anything let's keep going you know like come on come on get a move on or like on like page 13 there's a part where he's all like oh this gallery crawling with swastika is oddly western symbol for an oriental temple and then she's all like yeah you're looking at the wrong clues let's let's keep going you know it's like Mm-hmm. And then they finally and get then like a, a little bit later on. He's like, "We would have found you, Ted, sooner if we hadn't stopped to examine swastika symbols." Mm. Oh, did she say that? I didn't even catch that. Yeah, the panel three on that page. It's like they're such a great couple bickering the whole time. That's so funny. Yeah. At the same time, she's wearing Scott's cape for like several pages, which also yeah. is a really nice moment of like intimacy between them. Because Scott gives it to her and doesn't think twice about it when they're walking through the snow. And then she just keeps it on. And she's totally comfortable wearing Scott's stuff. Yeah, I mean, she is wearing a mini skirt. Finally. Not finally, but <laughs> she's, unfortunately, this one time she doesn't wear her armor and she has to go in the cold. So, well, At least she's not wearing that bikini she often wears. Mm-hmm, that's true. But she is just the, the best action heroine in this in this story. And there's so many panels where Kirby draws Barda and Scott, and she's at the center of everything. She's mm-hmm. the first face you see. And yet yeah. at the very, very end of the issue, uh, she's also completely empathetic, too. Mm-hmm. She tells Ted, you know, you're going to be with a world of friends. We all look at it. We all look after each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. she's a really nice character who's tough and strong and a fighter, but she also has this passion for Scott and this comfortableness with Scott. And then she like genuinely cares for her friends too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
there are other things that I'd like to talk about when we get a chance to, but it's, but yeah, she was basically the star of this comic from a action hero perspective. And she is an action hero. She is the action hero. In fact, the issue should be her. The comic yeah. should be called Big Barda and Her Theories, or they should have made one. Right? Although, like, without without Barda, I'm not sure it's the new, uh, not sure Mr. Miracle would have worked the same way. Well, uh, on, a, on a side, you know, they probably would have like a side issue, right? Yeah, the first few issues with just Scott weren't as interesting as, as the series became. Yeah. Like, issue 13 is like a kind of a down issue in that, like, it's not really tied to the apocalypse battle, though it's a really good issue because it's, it brings us more depth to Scott's friend, right? And we finally learn more about Ted, so he's not so much of a cipher. We know he's a, we learn he's a veteran, we learn he's, he's kind of brave. You learn he has this nemesis who's been torturing him. So I guess there is a lot there. And it, it, it's kind of nice to see Kirby bring in this characterization in a very kind of subtle way. So like I was going to say, 13 is like a little bit of a down issue, but it's not. It's not, a, it's not tied to Apocalypse, but it's still just a really strong, interesting story. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a real life theme for the first time. It's a theme that I mean, this was done in, what, 1973. World War II ended maybe 30 years before. Was it 30 years? 46. I can't add. 20, 20, 27 years before? Mm -hmm. 30 years before? That's like, for us, it would be, what, 1990? This is year 2021. It's That's crazy, crazy, right? That's like, you know, when I was in high school, like, can you imagine, like, and so it's pretty fresh, relatively World War II. And, you know, there's still Nazis out there who are, you know, people haven't caught. And this guy, one of the interesting things for me here, obviously like Ted's PTSD, which wasn't even known back then, at the end of the issue that you alluded to about Barda talking to him about it, but also the idea of, you know, Nazis, you know, leaving Germany and going and like hiding in different areas of the world. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a big historian, but there are a lot that went to South America, maybe Brazil and Argentina. There weren't any, but what's interesting about it too is like you come in, you're like, oh, this is like a, and even like, you know, back then they didn't say Asian, they said Oriental or whatever, but right now that would be offensive. But like, you know, he's, they're, they think that this is like an Asian villain when they come in. And so like a German Nazi appropriating a different culture and blending in. And even he mentions it too, is like, I had to pretend I'm, what is it, Komoto in order mm -hmm. to rule these people. And uh, it's just interesting how like, the, it's still, the evil is still there. They're just pretending it's something else. And so I think there's a lot of themes, at least towards the end of this issue, that, you know, align with that, you know, villains, like, you know, pretending to be something else or, you know, that kind of. So it's, it's interesting to see that. And then obviously the theme of war and being stressed out about war, because that's his old, I guess, Ted, to me, like, you don't identify with him. Like, he's like this goody two-shoes, Gentile American kid who's like, yeah, he probably had a good most of his life. And then towards the, at the end of the issue, you realize him and 
Scott have a lot in common. They both have been to war. They both have, you know, have been tortured. They both have these stresses that come about having gone through, you know, tough situations. Another thing is like the second to the last page, page 22, you know, he talked about how he was caught with, um, you know, the locals. I think he said the Mongols, the Mongolians. Um, but he said that they're not the bad guys. The bad guy was this evil Ron Kilowitz who mm -hmm. fooled them, you know, who, who tricked them. So it's interesting to see, like, you know, we kind of deal with these types of things during our society where, like, you think, like, oh, wow, these people did evil things. And they are, they did bad, horrible things, but a lot of times they were tricked into doing it. They weren't aware of what's going on. And, you know, we have our own types of politics going on now, too, that we can kind of draw that from as well yeah the mongols are really just reading between the lines a little bit it seems like the mongols are just trying to do what they can to get by that von Kilowitz gives them an, a better opportunity so they can't help themselves from being nice but at the same time you know, he's for whatever reason has some leadership over them mm -hmm. they, yeah. they warm him up they put him in a tent they give him food we see ted drinking something and eating something so he's and they even dress his wounds right because he's got his arm in a sling uh so he's treated well i was really struck on page 22 about the empathy i felt for von kilowitz because when we first see him there he's saying i'm sorry your trip was so long or my trip has been very long, excuse me. Can you join me in a game of chess? Like he has a genuine gesture of friendship. And it's only after Ted recognizes Von Kilowitz that he, Von Kilowitz changes his attitude that you have to keep my secret. And I was struck by this idea that you are a person whose face is so distinctive and so hated throughout the world that you are trapped like an animal in your own small world. In this very strange, very pathetic way, Von Kilowitz is also a victim of his own fate. Now, of course he brought it all, all on himself. We don't know anything that he did as a Nazi. Um, he certainly glorifies the Nazi belief system. What kind of dreamer must he be to build this whole temple with these symbols and this godlike creature as a statue, you know, on page 13 and to create his mask and everything. Like there's must be so much vanity tied to insecurity in him to glorify this world that at the same time he has to feel some regrets about. And that's a really good, I didn't feel any empathy, but, but I, 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 did, I do see where you're coming from and I get it. It's like he didn't, he wasn't as evil as he thought he would be. Like if he was like a true comic book villain, he'd say like, all right, I'm going to enslave you and you're going to, you know, get into this, you know, take the shirt off and, you know, build buildings for me or something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And he wasn't like that. He just said, hey, man, I got to keep you here because you saw me. I think what's interesting about that is we, we see a lot of people who've committed evil, not a lot, but if you really think about it, my favorite character, Barda, she is somebody who's done evil. And even Scott probably did some evil too. I mean, they both were at the were enslaved to Darkseid in some way or another. And it's like the difference is redemp like 
separating yourself from that evil, trying to make, I mean, I don't know if they made amends, but trying to make amends and having some type of redemption. And I mm -hmm. think Scott and Barta leaving, you know, apocalypse is in some ways like their redemption of like, okay, let's just live a normal life and, you know, we'll, we'll fight evil, but we just want to live our own lives. Whereas in somebody like Kilowitz, he was forced to leave that evil because they lost, but he continued the same type of lifestyle after having to run away. You know, like he kept on, now I want to take over a different type of a land. I want to trick other people, use different types to subjugate others, you know, enslave them, you know, that type of a thing. And so, and force myself on other people so that there's just that difference. And I guess that's a, I don't think, I don't know, I hope, I would, I should hope Kirby would have those types of themes, but I, I think it's, it's really fun. This is why we read these types of things, right? Even if they're not in the subtext, it's always good to read into it. It is in the subtext. I'm not sure Kirby realized it. Yeah, that's true. Because like, I, I always read these old books, especially Kirby, because he was creating so quickly as base as being like Kirby's subtext or his subconscious subconscious seeping through. I think you're right. Actually, no, you're right. Definitely. Because it's like, he's yeah, such a great he storyteller. But... Ron Kilowitz, right? Because he is a Nazi and he tries to kill our heroes and he's clearly crazy. But at the same time, like there's more dimension to him than we first see and it's just hidden a little bit below the surface yeah he's such a great storyteller that like a lot of the subconscious stuff will come through even if he didn't mean to because he's been at this for such a long time and then obviously like he's putting his experience in it i really um admire creators and writers and artists who are able to put their own life into a story without making it like obvious, you know? And I don't think it's totally obvious here. Like, mm -hmm. The obvious thing would be like, you know, a biography story of like the, you know, Ted's name is Jack and, you know, he was in Vietnam, oh, no, not Vietnam, but he was in like, World War II and like, like you know, Skywalker being created by George Lucas. Yeah, that yeah, kind of, yeah. that's kind of the subtext here too is like, we love Barda and we see her great relationship with Scott. And it's easy to read Ross and Jack Kirby into that on some level. Mm -hmm. This, not necessarily the fact that he sees her as a strong personality, which maybe she is. And, and I don't know, maybe that is in there. But as much as anything, it's this love and trust for, for strong women. Mm -hmm. That's really clear with this character. Like yeah. there's a level of comfort and peace these characters have that I'm not sure a lot of people could conjure up who are, haven't had Kirby's life experiences, who haven't been married for as many years as Ross and Jack were married at that point. Yeah, I just, uh, I find that he's so, so beyond what I thought he would be. I mean, just to, like starting this issue, I thought this was gonna be one of the boring, all right, it's starting to be one of the boring ones, you know, and. Oh, great. Some another guy with like a mask on his face. And then it's like, you know, and then you end it with like, oh, wow, like Ted's been to, well, you know, his World War II and he's, he's crossed paths with like these Nazis and like he was tortured and, you know, it's like, oh, wow, okay. 
yeah, there's a whole other level of depth that I just did not expect here at all. And that really shows Kirby's mastery. And there's so many small ways that he shares this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've pointed this out before, and I, I continue to be obsessed with, like, how often Scott Barta and Ted just have eye contact with each other. They're always looking at each other with this look of trust. Kirby all, often draws them together in uh, three next to each other. Mm. Same, same size as each other because they're peers to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, again and again, there's this kind of level of trust between these people that's just subtly conveyed in the in the way Kirby draws the panels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I bet if we went back and looked at New Gods and looked at panels where Orion and Light Ray are together, Orion might be bigger in a lot of those panels mm. because of the way their relationship is. You know, Orion's the mm-hmm. alpha. And Light Ray is happy, to, is younger and, and more subservient. But here again and again, like I'm a page 15, panel three, just as an example, Scott and Barta are on the same parallel. They're the same size. They are together. Mm-hmm. The thing on page 14, panel two or panel three, they're together. And in fact, the way he, he composes each of those pages, keeps that all these characters on the same level. It, mm-hmm. It's a very subtle thing Kirby does where he's conveying the way the characters interact with each other and their relationships with each other. No, that's true. I mean, even looking at page 12, when they're charging, you know, the enemy, they're both on the same plane, like they're the same, like foreground and, you know, background. They're on the background, both at the same level. Um, so it's interesting. And where the enemies in the foreground, it's interesting. Like you can see, you can totally imagine that being Reed Richards and Ben Grimm or something on the same parallel with each other or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got the subtle implication to it. I can't get over how great Barta looks in that cape and how like almost sweet it is that she wears the cape for so long. Yeah. Like when we go hiking and my wife wears my jacket all day, you know, of course. I've given mm. it to you as, as my little gift to keep you warm. I don't need it back. I trust mm-hmm. you. That's a beautiful thing to say. You know, I, I'm not in a relationship right now where I'm in love, but it's so beautiful to hear you say that and like kind of make that connection between two characters in a book who are in love. That's pretty cool. It's a good thing to hear. Thank you. So one thing that was weird about this issue, why does Komodo build all this stuff? What's the point? If he's just kidnapping Ted, did he build that whole torture dungeon with all those traps just for Ted? I think he he's power hungry like all these evil men. I think he originally he was power hungry and he made himself into a god, you know, that whole and he or at least he pretended this was you know, he came in, he um you know, he took over this culture, made them think that he's their god and then to keep that up he built this whole shrine in in his own beliefs and then ted just happened to be somebody who came across it and now he wants them back that's interesting so he's so tied up in his own beliefs they built an entire shrine to it spend all kinds of resources building this up like a like his own castle 
mm-hmm. the mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he's so infatuated with himself. Outside of Nazism, I will, uh, I'm not Nazism, those are just, that's like monsters and horrific people. But oftentimes when like governments are overthrown, a lot of the uh, families, they leave, you know, the country. An example of that was like during the Iranian monarchy, it was overthrown. So like the dad and they, they ran, they went to France and then the U.S. or whatever. And, the, you know, the king died, but the prince was around. So oftentimes these families, they still keep shrines to what their supposed throne was like. You know, they have like, oh, look at, look at my dad when he was king. I was next in line to be king. And, you know, here's my, this jewelry that I was given by so-and-so, you know, that kind of, stuff. they keep those things and they, they have all those, I mean, while they don't necessarily want to go back to doing it, they have those like same, same old beliefs that they were great or their lives were great. at least some of them, you know, I don't know all of them, but a lot of the, you know, these, so, or even politics, when people are overthrown, they keep their own, um, yeah, they'll keep believing the same thing, you know? And, and try to grow their own power in some other way. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I think we are seeing that these days, aren't we, Amir? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not, I mean, human nature doesn't change. There's good and there's bad and greedy and self-centeredness and evil. They're synonymous together. So then there's another reading to this issue too, which is, Scott and Barta and Ted, who trust each other, who are who have a great support system, not just each other, but you know, the Furies and Oberon, are set against this guy who's completely alone, who's built himself up, who has no friends, no support system. He only uses people. Mm-hmm. Trust versus someone who's a user. Mm-hmm. And that's Kirby could say it as simple as this, that's freedom versus Nazism. Yeah. That's what, uh, that's what being, you know, in a free society allows you to do is to have true love and friendship with the people who are close to you. Yeah. Where being a Nazi cuts you off from everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, I know I could go on and on about this, right? Well, they go through the temple and there's all the Nazi symbols. Well, there's no symbols anywhere that we've ever seen in Scott and Barta's lives that of, of apocalypse. They have the clothes, but aside from the clothes, there's like literally nothing in their house that shows where they came from because they've moved past it. Mm-hmm. But Komodo can never move past it. Yeah, and really... What Komodo has not gained is friendship. So ever since they came to Earth, their friendships have grown. Like, you know, the theories are part of the friendship. Ted is Oberon. You know, it's they have tons of, you know, it's it's um they're growing their their family, whereas in Kom- Komodo has to fool people into serving him mm-hmm. or fear or fooling or need you know some type of like desperation the one time he has a chance to make friends with someone ted who you know he offers to play chess with he very quickly betrays because he doesn't trust himself yeah it's like a brat kid that invites you over and then like but then gets mad at you if you play with his toys Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, even worse, it's like having a bright kid who friend invites you over and then you end up hanging out with their brother instead of them. Mm. And they feel betrayed and angry because you like their brother better than you like them. Yeah, there's a lot of lot more subtle stuff in this issue than I thought there was. And when I when I first dug into the dictator's dungeon, I thought this was just gonna be another quick little surface story. Just the opposite. Yeah, it was fun. Had nothing to do with the train. <laughs> no, it's a total red herring, isn't it? Yeah, it's funny. The train is still a very exciting part of the of the issue. It's what got me to buy this issue when I'm eight years old because I like trains. Now <laughs> I have a train set. <laughs> I got a train set for Christmas. The next issue is the Quick and the Dead, and it is one of the most surreal issues of the entire run. Oh wow! No furies, but it's one of my favorites in a completely different way than this issue. Oh wow! Oh, interesting. I'm curious what we'll, we'll what we'll make of it, and then in two issues, Scott makes another new friend, Shiloh. Shiloh Norman, yeah. Because Scott's just one of these people that just attracts people to be around him. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Amir. Thanks, Jason. Oh, thank you.